This episode brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. Uh, Dave, Dave, they asked us not, not to read an ad. And I asked them not to date my sister. Looks like no one's getting what they want. Cards Against Humanity. It's a fun game. Play it with your friends. It's available online. Sister's getting what she wants. Oh! <laughs> enjoy the show! everyone hi welcome to valeria photos my name is david flora my name is david stacko yeah oh no he's old he's grumpy yes i started out that way (laughs) i got an early head start that's right that's right in in the redundancy the department of redundancy department (laughs) i feel like everyone who's old got an early head start on it <laughs> Early head start. Way to go. Way to go. Flora, all how right. the hell are you, sir? Doing all right. Uh, been uh, very busy lately. Lots of stuff coming up, but we're doing it. We're doing the shit out of it. I'm uh, excited for the live stream this month. Yeah, yeah. Had a good one last month because we we have fun. We talk. We tell stories. T- kind of behind the scenes things. Talk about. Uh, uh, upcoming stuff you know what what's going on how we're thinking and this and that and it's always a good time but this month uh we have a special live stream and i hope everybody signed up for it because it's probably too late now but we are going to be live streaming our campfire ghost stories and yeah uh not only not only will patrons get to watch us uh tell stories around a live campfire we're going to take that audio and Put it into an episode. So, right? I'm excited for it. It's going to be fun. And thanks to you guys, we get to try cool things like this, and we hope you enjoy them and uh, have fun with us. So, Dave, have you been? Uh good, good. Just kicking it, having adventures, doing, doing, doing whatever I want all the time. That's good. Uh, working a bunch, which is fine. And yeah, I, I, I'd say I'm doing pretty good across the board. I got, I got no complaints. Living the high life. Yeah. I got no complaints about this episode. No. Because we have a very fun one for you. This one, I thought there wasn't a huge amount to this. Ended up being quite a bit to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because of how many um, versions of the story there there is and how much people have looked into it. And, you know, it's just it's just fun. Uh, Dave, we're talking about the Bell Witch tonight, right? God, how many times have we talked about the Bell Witch and now we're finally doing it? I know it's been suggested, so we're crossing off a listener suggestion with this one, which is nice. Feels good. Nothing feels better than scratching a witch itch. Am I right? I don't know. I mean, literally, am I right? I I can't tell. So I think uh, think we should jump into it. Yeah. this, This one is particularly creepy and... Fun. If and if you told it around a campfire, hey, I'd tip my cap to right? you. <laughs> We're getting getting an early taste this month. No one's gonna be mad at you. That's right. Unless the hate getting spooked. Had you heard it? We've heard about this before, Dave. How much ha- had you looked into this at all? The uh, the Bell Witch in general. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I feel like this is one that we'd we'd actually looked at a little bit. There was a couple of different episodes. I mean, obviously, uh, history of witchcraft. Uh huh. Like we would, whenever you're doing a search for anything witch related, this keeps coming up. And so like we kept 
seeing it and being like, oh, it's called the Bell Witch, not quite a witch story. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of come into it and then fly back out of it. Or I think it was uh, going to be in a, a blurry photober a time or two and then got bumped for for even more spookily dookly or just because we thought something else was cooler. Yeah. I mean, it's, but yeah, we've, we've been, we're like a moth that just keeps bumping into this over and over. And it's time for either it to burn us to death or we to mate with it. One of those two is going to happen right. tonight. Right. So let us go on and jump into this. And I'll start us out here, Dave, with some literature. Yeah. A remarkable occurrence which attracted <gasps> widespread interest was connected to the family of John Bell, who settled near what is now Adams Station about 1804. So great was the excitement that people came from hundreds of miles around to witness the manifestations of what was popularly known as the Bell Witch. This witch was supposed to be some spiritual being having the voice and attributes of a woman. It was invisible to the eye, yet it would hold conversation and even shake hands with certain individuals. The freaks it performed were wonderful and seemingly designed to annoy the family. It would take the sugar from the bowls, spill the milk, take the quilts from beds, slap and pinch the children, and then laugh at the discomfiture of its victims. Milk spiller! <laughs> it's, a, it's a Yule lad. This <laughs> is like a, a, a utility Yule lad if you've only got room for one. <laughs> at first, it was supposed to be a good spirit, but its subsequent acts, together with the curses with which it supplemented its remarks, proved the contrary. A volume might be written concerning the performances of this wonderful being, as they are now described by contemporaries and their descendants. That all this actually occurred will not be disputed, nor will a rational explanation be attempted. Spoilers, it will be disputed. It is merely introduced as an example of superstition, strong in the minds of all but a few in those times, and not yet wholly extinct. Such is a passage in sort of British, sort of yeah, sort of foppish American. Listen, you're always there's nothing I respect more than a wandering accent. Okay, sometimes I didn't want to you start Australian, you yeah. end up somewhere else. Yeah. Only the finest people do it, and I I salute you, David Flora. I didn't want to commit to British because we're an American nation at this point. That's right. But uh, such is a passage from the Goodspeed Brothers' History of Tennessee, published in 1886. And such is an account of the troublesome and dangerous spirit that came to be known as the Bill Witch. <laughs> Called America's greatest ghost story, the only fatal haunting, and the only haunting directly involving a U.S. president... Claims which are at best dubious, at worst completely wrong. 
<laughs> the Bell Witch is a very infamous scurry story from America's rich heritage of Southern folklore. I think you, yeah, uh, you did it. Folklore. <laughs> folklore. Strange beasts, eerie sounds, disturbing activity, disembodied voices, creepy curses, and deadly death all play a role in this odious opera. So we'll be taking a look at the legend of the Bell Witch, including the history of encounters, sources of the information we have, and what truth is hiding in the woods and caves of Adams, Tennessee. Are we dealing with folklore? Fake lore or fact lore? Hmm. Nice. We'll find out, but one thing's for sure, Dave. What? You want to make someone's blood freeze? Cause all kinds of unease? Scare kids and their families? You better work, witch. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Love it. Now, the, the legend, as it is, begins with the, uh, the Bell family which bade goodbye to the smoky leaves of Tobacco Road in North Carolina and headed over to the smokier mountains of Tennessee in the early 1800s. The patriarch, John Bell, found a spot near the Red River in Robertson County and settled the family into a small hamlet that eventually became Adams, Tennessee. He worked the land as a farmer, and the family grew with three more children born at the Bell homestead. John became an elder at at the Baptist Church, and life was good for him and his wife, Lucy, and their seven kids. Whew. Lucy. Better for John, probably. (laughs) Which was the style at the time. (laughs) Uh, One fine summer day in 1817, John was making his rounds through his crops when he saw something in the middle of one of the rows of corn. Approaching it, he realized it was a dog, simply sitting there. But as he got closer, he realized this dog had the head of a rabbit. And John did what any Tennessean would do at the time. Fingers crossed for a shotgun. He extended a volunteer handshake by way of his trusty rifle. yes! The creature took off, and several <laughs> shots from John's gun missed it before it vanished. Apparently satisfied, John went on about his work for the rest of the day. Another one of them bunny hounds. <laughs> Just don't want them in the garden is all. They'll eat up, you care. <laughs> uh, after dinner that same night, the Bell family was relaxing and preparing for bed when they started hearing a knocking noise on the side of their house. It was almost like something was beating on the wall. Uh, John and his sons ran out to see the source of the mysterious rapping, but saw nothing but flavor flavor around the house. Instantly growing disinterested, they can, <laughs> they went back in, indoors. Uh, unfortunately, this continued for several nights, apparently gaining frequency and intensity from one night to the next. Bam, 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 bam. Uh, unfortunately, things got worse and it aided. The children would be awakened in the night to gnawing sounds, as if rats were chewing their bedposts. Sometimes there were other noises, like lips smacking and gulping sounds. Well, it could have just been someone enjoying candy. True. Just chewing on a (laughs) stick at that point. Yeah, that's right. This progressed to their covers being roughly yanked off them as they slept, and their pillows flung to the floor by some invisible force. The family endured this for weeks, and then the whispers began. very faint, almost inaudible voices with a vague semblance to an old woman singing hymns was heard. But like the banging on the walls, it too gradually became stronger over time. John's youngest daughter, Elizabeth, Betsy as she was called, 
then began experiencing a more sinister side of these disruptions. Things became physical as her hair would be pulled, her body pinched, pins were found in her pillow, and her face and body would be slapped hard. After seeing what looked like handprints and welts on her, John and Lucy decided to enlist the help of their neighbor, James Johnston. Big Jim Johnston, if you got a ghost and it's gotta go, you gotta get Big Jim Johnston. (laughs) Hi, I'm Big Jim Johnston. (laughs) Only my mother calls me James. You... My friends call me Jimmy. You call old Jimmy Johnston. I'll be there freaky fast. Hmm. I like that saying. I brought my spirit shovel for whacking and burying the spirits. Big Jim Johnston. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In his jug band. (laughs) All right. Um, James and his wife agreed to spend the night at the Bell Homestead to verify the claims of the embarrassed family. And the entity did not disappoint. James had his bed covers yanked away and was slapped numerous times before he jumped up and yelled, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? Big Jim Johnston. He did not receive an answer, but the night passed quietly from then on. Before he left, he confided to John that he thought it was a... A spirit, just like in the Bible, Big Jim Johnson. <laughs> At least satisfied that they weren't crazy, John and his family yet had to endure the invisible entity which seemed to be getting more powerful with time. Now with a fully audible voice, it treated the bells to such delightful pastimes as scripture quoting, hymn singing and sometimes just plain old conversations. In one particularly odd anecdote, it said the entity was able to quote two sermons which were preached on the same day at the same time, 13 miles apart. People talked about this odd phenomenon, and the Bell Witch began to gain a measure of fame. Worst radio ever! Spiricom! In one side story... A group of young, plucky boys who happened to be friends of Betsy's were out exploring the countryside on the Bell Homestead when they found a cave. Of course, going in for a look, the boys crawled and squeezed their way into its depths. Sounds like fan fiction. (laughs) One boy got a little too brave, if you know what I mean. A little too deep, also if you know what I mean. And wandered away from the others until he found himself stuck in a cranny. If you still know what I mean. (laughs) Apparently having a candle on hand, he yelled for his friends to help until the candle burned itself out. Any fear he had was then multiplied by X. (laughs) As as a loud female voice suddenly cried, I'll get you out! (laughs) Um, Where X is the sound of a loosening of bowels and an elderly woman's voice in a place you don't want to hear either. (laughs) Uh and he had his legs tugged, pulling him backwards through the dank, muddy caves to the entrance. With no other explanation, it was added to the growing Bell Witch legend. Seems like a helpful witch. So far. It's true. And honestly, who doesn't pinch and slap kids? <laughs> yeah. Just saying. And maybe swear. She was, maybe she was talking back to her parents. You don't know. Yeah, that. that's a good point. 
Just because it's not in there doesn't mean that she wasn't doing it. <laughs> That's right. The tales made their way to Major General, soon to become president and historical genocidalist, Jandrew Jackson, who apparently... Jandrew. Jan, did I say Jandrew? <laughs> oh. Andrew Jackson, who apparently John and his sons had fought under in the Battle of New Orleans. Uh, Jackson wanted to check the situation out for himself, and in 1819, he took a little trip, took a wagon and several men down the mighty Mississippi. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, all I could well, think it was... You had to. It was, Johnny Horton. The minute I saw Battle of New Orleans, I was like, yeah, it's Johnny Horton. That's a great song. I was telling Flora, I want to do, I mean, obviously we're not going to just crib it directly, but I want to do that kind of style of song for the country album. I think that'd be fun to do. So in 1819, he took a wagon and several men, this would be Andrew Jackson, towards the Bell Farm. Not far out from Bell's home, his wagon suddenly stopped and wouldn't budge. Having no luck moving it with horse or men, he exclaimed, By the eternal, boys, that must be the Bell Witch! To which a disembodied woman's voice told them to pass, and they would see her later that night. Wink! Suddenly the wagon began moving again, and they continued to the Bell's house. That evening, one of his men, who claimed to be a... who claimed to be a consummate witch hunter, produced a fancy pest <laughs> produced a fancy pistol attached to an unlicensed nuclear fusion reactor backpack, and said he had silver bullets which would kill any evil spirit, and that this spirit was scared of him, maybe even scurred. <laughs> In a fine example of comedic timing, he began experiencing pains as if struck with pins and slapped around, and got an invisible boot to his very visible ass. <laughs> <laughs> which sent him out the front door of the bell home. The rest of the crew did not last the night and fled. Jackson supposedly saying, quote, I'd rather fight the entire British army than deal with the bell. <laughs> now, while the entity hated John, who she called old Jack, it deeply admired Lucy singing sweet songs to her and respected her son, John Jr. because of his fearlessness. But it eventually began threatening John directly, saying she would kill him through curses and afflictions. <laughs> John was weak and tired after years of physical and mental abuse at the hands of the witch, and eventually developed a nervous condition affecting his tongue and jaw muscles, making it difficult to chew and swallow. One day, he was out walking with his son Richard when one of his shoes was jerked off his foot. Richard tied the shoe back on his father's foot, only to see the other one jerked off in the same way. Whoa. <laughs> all right, all right. It's like, it's like a thousand different headlines at once. <laughs> Bell Witch jerks off local farmer while boy stands by helplessly. <laughs> all right, all right. Keep it in your own corn roll there. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Phantasmal foot fetishes. That's that local kind of farmer. farm. Phantasmal foot fetishes fornicates with farmer. <laughs> News at five. <laughs> the air was suddenly filled with horrifying sounds, and John, totally overcome and praying for deliverance, was quickly led back inside the house. Once inside, he took to his bed and stayed there for several weeks, growing weaker and sicker. One morning, he failed to wake up and could not be aroused, dying on December 20th, 1820. 
John Jr. found a small vial of strange liquid in the cupboard. Deciding to test it the best way he knew how, he gave a drop of it to the family cat, which quickly died thereafter. What? The family then heard the entity's voice say, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him good. <laughs> At John's funeral, the voice was said to be heard laughing and singing about a bottle of brandy, not stopping until everyone had left the cemetery. You're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. What a wife. My love and my lady is the sea. The disturbances greatly diminished after that, and the voice told Lucy it would return for a visit in seven years. The following years were disturbance-free, and it kept its promise to return in 1828, speaking to John Jr., and apparently discussing the origin of life, civilizations, religion, and the need for a mass spiritual reawakening. It also apparently prophesied the Civil War before saying it would revisit John's descendant in 107 years. His descendant, as it happened, a Dr. Charles Bell, wrote a book about the witch in 1934, 106 years later. Uh, nothing about it visiting the next year, though. Womp I think uh, if you're an ethereal spirit, at least ki- keep to your timetable. I mean, right? Maybe, I mean, time's supposed to pass slower on the other yeah. side. Right? Yeah, maybe it's so. like a Doctor Who problem where you thought it was 10 minutes, but whoops-a-daisy. That was 12 years ago. Years. Yep. Now, there are additional versions of this story. Uh, but before we get back into the sources of this tale, it's important to mention additional versions that include an identity to the entity. An entity identity? Yep. An identity. <laughs> they ID'd the entity. Uh, In some accounts, the popularity of the spirit was so great that people would come from all over the countryside to camp in the bell's yard and experience the disturbances, to see the milk get spilled, to watch the (laughs) sugar bowl rock from back to forth and back again. (laughs) Watch as the cheeks were savaged by gentle pinches and tiny slaps. (laughs) The world's worst ghost. (laughs) Um, but all these people showing up completely wrecked the property. Uh, on one such occasion, there came a peal of hysterical laughter. And then the voice of James Johnston, <laughs> known colloquially as big Jim Johnson, reciting the prayer. He said the night he stayed there, but it was from the entity. It was asked who it was and finally answered the witch of Kate bats, a neighbor of the bells. When asked why she was doing this, she trolled the questioners with stories of Indian burial mounds and buried treasure. After a skull and other bones were found to have been taken from an old grave nearby, the witch avowed herself the spirit of an early immigrant who had, his, who had hidden his, quote, treasure for safekeeping. She made them swear to secrecy and act quickly, quote, lest the secret should get out and said it was under, quote, a great stone near a spring that, quote, the southwest corner of the farm. Soon a group of men found the stone and eventually raised the stone. Jesus. The stone waved at them. 
And they saw the stone. Stop saying the stone. <laughs> uh, finding no treasure, however, they continued digging for hours until they had opened a hole about, quote, six feet square and nearly as many feet deep. Peace on earth was all it said. I don't remember who the mountain people or who the valley people are. It's, I, it's too late. I don't know anymore. I won't even pretend to. Still, they found nothing and were later mocked by the witch for being so easily fooled. Uh, it's been speculated that John Bell was convicted of usury in a slave deal with Kate's husband by the state of Tennessee, and that Kate had decided to, uh, re- to take revenge on him. Kate especially hated one of Betsy's suitors named Joshua Gardner, warning her repeatedly not to marry him, but never explaining why. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, that'd be too easy. Betsy was physically abused by the spirit for her associations with Joshua. Quote, associations. Wink. <laughs> Don't have to be a fornicating phantasm to read between those lines. You get what I mean? Eventually, she was forced to end a relationship with Joshua and later married her old school teacher, Richard Super Perv Powell. That's right. Who apparently was married at the time he was hitting on her. Hell. The kind you don't take home to my If a daddy's poor, just do what you want. So one of the things in there, the story of them finding bones and, and the Indian burial mound and blah, blah, blah. There was one uh, story that was written about it that said a, a kid had found bones in, in a nearby cave, like a jawbone, and had brought it back into the Bell's house. It was like a friend of, of one of his kids and, you know, just like set it on a table or something. And old John Bell got pissed. And he's like, get that jawbone out of here, you little son of a bitch. And the kid got scared and grabbed it and and ran out with it. Well, in his grabbing it, apparently a tooth fell out of it and fell fell between the floorboards. <gasps> and they never knew that that, was, that, that had happened. And, and then some people were like, oh, this, this tooth, that's what's causing the witch. Oh. Anyways, that's, that's just a... <laughs> A little bit is of it a, is it a tooth a, a tooth witch? <laughs> tooth witch. Dental witches. Dental witches. So the story's a good one, but yeah. it wouldn't carry the title of Chicago's best ghost story. I mean, America's greatest ghost story without <laughs> having some eerie echoes throughout the years. Faint talking and sounds of children playing and giggling can be heard. Candle lights float in the fields nearby. And orbs and mist show up in photos, among other things. In 1937, unexplained noises like rubbing and piano music were said to be heard coming from the cave, according to then-owner Lewis Garrison. Wait, what do you mean? What what rubbing noises? Like an invisible creature uh, hurling itself against your house. <laughs> Not like, like rubbing. A, like rubbing. what about like an invisible creature rubbing somebody's feet? Like. Stop trying to make this happen. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is happening. In 1965, a rocking chair that belonged to Bell Descendants ended up in an antique store where a woman sat in it then visited a cemetery where a voice told her to stand up and look around. You will find something of much value. Experiencing trouble with her car, the woman then walked out into a field and found an overturned black iron kettle. Turning it over, she found a 200-year-old pearl buckle in the grass. I have no idea. I looked for what kind of superstition that, that broke, and yeah. I just couldn't find it, but that has got to be a ghost trap. 
Yeah, right. I, that's that there that that's some kind of spirit that's been trapped under that kettle, and she just loosed it. That's all I could think about. I just like that the woman. The thing is that she'd have to like backtrace her day and be like, it all started when I sat in that rocking chair. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Huh? Kind of kind of a weird positive anecdote, but yeah. In 1977, a group of soldiers were sitting near the cave when one proclaimed that he didn't believe in the legend. He was subsequently grabbed around the chest by an invisible force. You want to? We. I, I wonder uh, if you can go there and we could just camp out and talk shit all night. You, you can go there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, let's go there and camp and talk shit all night. But I'm telling you right now, I'm duct taping my boots onto my feet. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get them jerked off in front of you. That's for sure. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> and I'm glad you're thinking of others in this. <laughs> but don't, just remember, talk ghost sh- <laughs> Get ghost hit. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> oh, there's and that's that's a good t-shirt right there. <laughs> in 1986, a couple of staffers from the Tennessean newspaper volunteered to stay overnight in the cave. Oh, almost from the get, they heard noises from deep within the cave. The noises grew into an unwavering groan and loud thumps. After this kept going, the men half-heartedly tried looking for a source and then heard a rumbling from the entrance. Discovering it was just a plane flying overhead, they suddenly heard a shriek from back in the cave, to which they bade the cave a f**k you very much, good night, and noped out. Really? Yep. Okay, maybe maybe I'm not so tough. Maybe (laughs) I don't want to go there and talk shit. In 1987, gas station owner H.C. Sanders related a story that in 1967, he had run out of gas near the cave and began walking to town when a rabbit came out of the woods and began following him. Unnerved, Sanders walked a little faster, and the rabbit did as well. Sanders began to run, and the rabbit matched his pace. Finally, Sanders stopped and sat on a log to rest, and said the rabbit hopped up with him and said, Nah. Hell of a race we had there, wasn't it? Then it pounced on him, severing his carotid artery. He barely made it out with his life. That's right. He talked. He told that story with a voice box. It's coming right for us. Uh, it's a detailed legend, uh, which is awesome. And it's got a lot of great versions, like every good legend does. Yeah. Uh, and like all legends, the origins are murky at best. Uh, Much of the lore is steeped in Southern ghost story tradition, and the concept of a poltergeist-like entity has been very well established by then. And it's very very poltergeisty, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because everything starts hilarious and funsy, then you're getting your boots jerked off. Yeah, and and kind of the the young girl is is kind of at the center of it. So is the the old man, but... uh, Don't forget Big Jim Johnston. (laughs) Um... But yeah, like prankish stuff, just annoying things that that were happening. That's it's very poltergeisty. Now, the earliest written record uh, that mentions the Bell Witch seems to be from an article in the Green Mountain Freeman of Vermont, which was published on February seventh, seventh, eighteen fifty six. It was supposedly a republication, a republication uh, of a story from the Saturday Evening Post, though no such story has ever been found. Uh, it spoke of the Bell Ghost in ten- or or the Tennessee Ghost and focused on the Betsy Joshua, uh, you know, ghost 
crossed lovers aspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the cock blocker from beyond the grave. <laughs> now, uh, on April 28th, 1880, the Daily American. Why isn't, where's that newspaper now? Clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you wouldn't believe where it is now or what <laughs> it looks like. You wouldn't recognize the Daily American. It's, it's like InfoWars light. Oh, God. Uh, just because I follow these kinds of things. Fun fact. Uh, one of those InfoWars wanks, uh, Paul Watson, posted a thing on Twitter today where he was complaining about the fact there's a BBC animated series or something like that about Romans and how dare they depict a Roman as black and, and how it was like, Oh, this PC, Oh, you know, I guess we just have to make everything multicultural now, regardless of historical accuracy. And I mean, like the, the number of, of, scholarly historians and just amateur historians who like studying Roman history just buried him in a mountain of crap, which when you're a guy like that, it, you can't like they're into it. Right. You know, it's, it's like wrestling up with a pig in the mud. You realize the pig likes it. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, he was just like, Oh, are you guys all triggered by the truth or some jazz like that? But he just got owned 18 ways from Sunday for that. And it was very funny. Anyway, I mean, with quote unquote facts these days, you don't have to be right. You just have to be loud. That's true. That is the, that is the sad, sad truth. Blurry photos t-shirt. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'll, anyway. I'll <laughs> so this uh, Daily American pub- published an article about a haunted house in Springfield, Tennessee, saying, quote, It is an actual fact that several hundred intelligent people of Springfield and vicinity have been so excited over the noise as to go night after night to listen to it. About 30 years ago, Robertson County had a sensation similar to this known as the Bell Witch, and people came from all parts of the country, even as far as New York, to hear or see her. This news report brought to you by Cold 45. No. <laughs> I was trying to be John Wayne. <laughs> this has been the Daily American. <laughs> I'd like that too. There may have been an account included in a Nashville Centennial Exposition publication around 1880, though the author and date are unknown. This account was more coquettish about the wit- about the witch poisoning John, instead just alluding to it. Mm. What? What? If, if there's poisoning in a witch, why are we wearing the fucking lace gloves on this? Well, it's 1880. They had lace gloves to spare. That, that's, you know what? Especially in terms of murder. Tip of the hat, sir. 100% <laughs> correct. And then there was the Goodspeed Brothers 1886 History of Tennessee, which I read in the overview. But the biggest and most referenced source of Bill Witch lore, however, came from the Martin Van Buren Ingrams. 1894 work, an authenticated history of the famous Bell Witch, the wonder of the 19th century, an unexplained phenomenon of the Christian era, the mysterious talking goblin that terrorized the west end of Robertson County, Tennessee, tormenting John Bell to his death, the story of Betsy Bell, her lover, and the haunting Sphinx. So, wait, I'm sorry, did you just start reading the book, or was that all title? (laughs) That was a title. Jesus! 
the acronym of which was four score and seven years ago. Right. No, yeah, no, no. If you take the first letter, it's like never going to give you up. <laughs> never. Gonna... <laughs> Wait, that is just the title of one book? He, yeah, yeah. You know how they, you know how they do back then. Jesus. <laughs> they just can't stop telling no you wonder the title. People, no wonder people didn't want to learn to read back then, man. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's it's just truncated to an uh, an authenticated history of the Bell Witch, or oh. the famous Bell Witch. In it, he stated that J.A. Bell, a grandson of John Bell, had met with him to discuss the story, saying John Bell had requested nothing be released until the death of his last child. Nothing uh, be released in terms of the story of this for the family. Uh-huh. And his last child died... Um, in 1890, that was Joel Bell, because they couldn't name a kid. Yeah, it had to be a, a Bell J kid name. without a J. Uh, J. A. then produced a diary written by his father Richard. Are they sure it was a? It was one of John's. Yeah, probably which, no, probably not. Richard, Richard, which detailed the experience of the family. Now, with such a pedigree of source material, it seems like a pretty serious happening that took place in Old Adams, Tennessee. Dave, uh-huh. but this is only if what's printed in these accounts is trustworthy, of course. Now, if you, dear listener, want the magic of the legend to stay and remain convinced there's a malevolent spirit hiding in a cave in northern Tennessee, you might want to skip ahead to the outro. Yeah. The outro is going to be pretty good this time. Yeah. Pretty fun. Don't, don't skip, though. Don't do it. But if you want to see how this delicious cake was made, we're about to crack some eggs. So here we go. Let's, let's yeah. dig into it. Uh, it's tough to prove anything with anecdotes. That's that's one of the biggest <laughs> right threads running through this. We actually have a few newspaper articles as sources of anecdotes for this one, but they're still anecdotes. And more than one uh, of these articles has the flair of a good yarn. People have taken a look at the Ingram work and found some odd things when scrutinized. Firstly, it's based on a personal diary slash account from Richard Bell. J.A. claimed the account was written in 1846. Now that's 30 plus years removed from the incidents. At the time of the haunting, Richard would have been six years old. So the fact that he wrote of such specific details when he was six, supplemented with memory over 30 years later, seems a little suspect already. Hmm. Yeah. Next, Ingram was unable to produce this diary. He might, I mean, he might not have been asked to, but... No, he was asked. If you, (laughs) someone asked, I promise you. (laughs) It was never and has never been seen by anyone else. Maybe drop the else. Yeah. Uh, That's suspect. Deeply. Now, earlier accounts of the story from sources we do have do not corroborate Ingram's work. John wasn't murdered in them, and no records from the time indicate any foul play with his death. Uh, There's also no mention of Andrew Jackson's involvement with the witch anywhere. And his life was followed closely at the time, and no one ever brought up a witch hunt. Uh, even in the nasty presidential elections, he was eventually involved in. Apparently, there were some pretty dirty politics at the time there, so... No way! Yeah, good thing things have changed. 
One detail some eagle-eyed Malones have pointed out is that the transcribed diary and Ingram's own chapters are written much the same way and with the same language, which was a feat for a hard-working farmer of a hundred years prior, with words like declamation, vociferator, beneficence were used. <laughs> Not farmer words. <laughs> those are those are no, those are those are just the names of pesticides. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, they're eating my corn again. Better get out the vociferator. <laughs> that looks like a wild declamation over there. <laughs> oh man. Beneficence free use near your youngins. <laughs> Not to mention the anachronisms that were supposedly written by Bell, like references to spiritualism and detectives, neither of which were around at the time of the encounters. And to clarify detectives, that word wasn't even apparently used in language until like 1840 or something like that. (laughs) Perfect. And then, of course, we know spiritualism gained prominence in the late 19th century. Uh, and I, I guess there's references to some ideas from that or, you know, the things that uh, this Richard Bell apparently wrote seemed better better suited for the late 19th century yeah. than early 19th century. It's almost as though he was inventing them. Almost as though he never wrote them himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's even talk, Dave, of uh, connecting the story to Freemasons with references to Freemason symbolism and practices showing up in the many versions and yada, yada, yada. There's somebody's gone through and picked out some things, but you know, it's fun to think about, but didn't really serve a purpose or reason why even have a story with, I don't know. One of the things was like the six by six by six, uh, cube, which was what they dug out the, Oh yeah. That stone, you know, and the looking for treasure and, uh, Southwest was a big deal. The, the the concept of just <laughs> death and dying being so prominent i i don't know it, there's there's quite a few things that that people have picked out and been like hey this sounds a lot like that but again that's like which well which version are you talking about <laughs> are is is this like all the versions combined and then you're connecting it to freemasonry right is it all in the ingram account is it you know so anyways it, it's interesting and and just worth throwing in there cuz you know It's a circle, right? It's a circle here for us. So what we're left with here is a a story. It's a good story, but it's a good story. Yeah. You know? Which is, I mean, here's the thing. Like, not talking shit about that. It's a good story. Yeah. Like, I'm down with it. We have folklore here that has evolved, grown, swallowed up other folklore. We have what looks to be fake lore as the... Uh, Jackson incident and the Bell diary seem entirely fabricated. And we have fact lore with the Bell line traceable quite a ways back and old, the old accounts of the story, the old articles and stuff. But at the end, it's we're still just left with a fun, spooky story, which is okay. And I guarantee, Dave, if you visit there today, and people do, people can, you'd still be creeped out, which is... Why this stuff is so much fun, I, which which is the whole point, you know what I mean? Like, I, I understand people trying to turn a, a good story into a revenue source. I understand people trying to exploit that. I mean, I see why they do it. I don't think it's a good idea, but like, it kind of retroactively, like, 
it's like if somebody tried to say no 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 game of thrones is a is a fucking documentary you idiots <laughs> let me explain to you how this is all true it kind of would then make you hate game of thrones because <laughs> you'd be like no you idiot no none of that nothing matches up nothing you've said even makes sense with the exception yeah. of the edge of the world being a giant ice wall which we all know is true but uh you, you know that doesn't that doesn't stop it from being fun and doesn't doesn't mean that uh, it can't be told over and over this stuff always spawns new uh tales and and always grows on itself you know with the stories of the people through the 20th century uh experiencing stuff and people still do to this day you know people will go out there and say oh i heard this oh i i felt this you know like stuff still happens according to yeah. accounts and if it had never gained such popularity would people have would people be experiencing things still i don't think so i True. bet i bet not but uh good ghost story good you know like local folklore that's it's always always fun to to dive into yeah and you know maybe we do a disservice by by saying you know well this story came from this part of of uh history and this guy made up this part of the story and you know like it does take kind of the fun fun out of it but we just do that so that people won't be like oh shit this is a real thing. There's a spooky spook down well, there terrorizing also we, people. We love taking the fun out of stuff. Never think for one second that <laughs> I don't live to ruin your fun. Cause I do everybody. That's what I do. I, I'm a fun thief. I slurp the fun. I take it. The fun is mine. Now I take it. <laughs> yeah. You can't have the fun back. The fun is forever mine. So uh, this is something that you'd be willing to, to check out. I'd go there. I, I think it'd be cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it looks like now. Like if it's like a bunch of velvet ropes and a guy selling you like, uh, I got felt up by an old witch t-shirt. I'd buy the fuck out of that shirt. Great example. Yeah. That was just top <laughs> of, of top whatever of my head. point of the point that you did a 180 on. <laughs> I'm, I just talked myself into it instantly. <laughs> yeah. I, that's the kind of marketing genius I am. I am the best kind of schizophrenic. Where I've got I've got two distinct personalities and one thinks the other one's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I don't know about that. What if we did this? You're right. <laughs> I hate this idea. Here's the t-shirt. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> one breath. Yeah. So I think you can get to. I mean, Lord knows there's been no shortage of pop culture and uh, current up in reality tv that's right that's jerked off some shoes around the, the <laughs> Bell witch cave boot jerkers <laughs> uh the the blair witch they say is uh, uh connected to this in lore i can see that of course all these ghost adventure shows are down there bopping around and trespassing probably not they, <laughs> i'm sure they get plenty of permission yeah i think they've got permission <laughs> Yeah, I'd I'd be willing to go down there and take a a recorder and then if nothing happens, then at least we can go home and uh see if we got any EVPs. Yeah, that's true. I'd be down with that. That'd be cool. So, you know, one day in the in the distant future when we're making a, a million dollars uh a season for for blurry oh, yeah. photos, then we can 
That's right. So, so you mean this spring, this coming spring? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah uh, absolutely. Positive, positive thinking. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was a secret. It's not. Yeah. It's the secret. All right. Well, uh, any any final thoughts there? Well, I mean, no, no. I I, I I think I totally agree with you. I think that it's it's a fun story. It does it. I mean, it didn't do it to itself, but like that to try to recouch it into a historical account hurts it when it oh, yeah. doesn't need that. And it's a great tale. So I loved it. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we scratched that itch, which which itch, which itch, uh, Ipswich. Yep. So it's interesting how people have also tried to tie it into other Southern folklore, not just like ghost stories, but um, people have tied it even as far as to the just so stories, the uncle Remus. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, huh. To me, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, I forget what I, I forget what I where I read that 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 some people were comparing characters in the story to like characters from the Uncle Remus stories. But I wonder if that is if that is that just an approximate of archetypes or sort of that's sort of what they're saying. I think. Yeah, I mean it it, it pretty much have to be right because it, it's not just a retelling with that with with different names right you know like the bells didn't get stuck trying to catch the poltergeist or you know like poltergeist didn't make a horribly racist um <laughs> trap for <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> i get you i got in so much trouble i was in the fourth grade and one day a week we we got to go to the library and pick out a book to check out and you know people were checking out like babysitter's club and the Hardy Boys. Are, nobody checked out the free. It was like big monster truck picture books or something. Yeah. In reality. But uh, I go over and I grab Just So Stories. <laughs> and I take it home and I'm reading them. And, you know, and when the next next week rolled around, I came and returned the book. The librarian picked up the book and was like, <gasps> somebody checked this out? Who checked this book out? And, then, uh-huh. and like my teacher came up and was like, what's going on? And the librarian's like, somebody check this book out. And my teacher is like, oh, what? <laughs> and I like was mortified. Like I was there wasn't like, a card with your name on? on the inside there? Oh, I'm sure there was. Yeah. But like I, I had no clue what was going on. Yeah. I was mortified. <laughs> and I, of course, I didn't say anything because right. I was like, what am I getting in trouble for here? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I don't know where I this is coming from. I have from. no idea how to defend myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is also coming from the guy that ch- checked out the G book of the encyclopedia that was there because it had a picture of a gargoyle in it that was pretty badass. Hey. That's all you need, man. Gargoyles. That's what I'm into. Sure, it wasn't for g g g girls. <laughs> Gastropods. You got me. <laughs> uh, gall, comma, ancient. Gall, comma, unmitigated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Since we're already on our way there, we might as, we might as well just uh, wrap this up. I think so. Well. It's a uh, it's a fun story, and um, there's so many tentacles to it. We may have missed one, so forgive us for that. But uh, that's the Bell Witch for you in a in a disembodied, rambunctious, mischievous, eerie old lady nutshell. <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, the only the only thing that uh the only thing that'll jerk your boots off harder than that old lady <laughs> is puns. <laughs> Um, let's see. I went first last time. Okay. Don't steal mine. Uh, I got a good one. I don't, I don't think, I don't think we have to worry about that. I've but, got a, uh, got you one know, good one. I was so glad that we opened, uh, the story with, uh, the Goodspeed brothers book. Um, because truth be told their, their first book is, I mean, while people I think are aware of it, it's not nearly as popular as their subsequent book, uh, which was, they just, you know, they smartly did some marketing and they were just known as the Super Good Speed Brothers. And then the sequels from there, far more popular. Oh, yeah? Not a lot of people ever got all the way back to just, just playing Good Speed Brothers and enjoying that. Is that the book where they, uh, they, they were big on mushrooms? Uh, the first one they were, I think it was about, uh, the book was about being in a sewer. Oh, okay. Yeah. By, by the time the third book rolled around, there was raccoon more. suits and frog yeah. suits. They were more. getting all kinds of trouble. Nobody, yeah. Tanuki suits. No one could handle it all. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, Dave, here's my bunt. There's a secluded farmstead you can visit when you need some companionship. Oh, good. Yeah, but if you want those boots jerked, then you can go to this place. It's been around since the early 19th century, and it's legendary because an entire town grew up around and was named for a brothel, and you can find it in uh, Madams, Tennessee. <laughs> I get you. I like it. Well, I'll tell you what, as as much as I enjoyed not only the Good Speed Brothers, but also Super Good Speed Brothers, <laughs> I think the most definitive telling of the story, and by far my favorite, and I'm hoping to get it through an audibletrial.com as a free audio book, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Uh-huh. And that would be uh Franklin Delano Roosevelt Simpson's a verified telling of the story of the account of the proceedings as told by the persons in attendance at the house at which the tale was witnessed, colon, the definitive exposition of the description. Should be really good. <laughs> Should be really great. Oh, wait, there's poor. <laughs> yeah, no, I only have so much dry erase board just filled. <laughs> I should have gone on for another 10 minutes. <laughs> what do you got, Flora? <laughs> like, I like FDR Simpson. <laughs> that is Martin Van Buren Ingram. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Johnson. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll round us out here. Uh, there was once a family in Tennessee that was plagued by constant music. Three entities that would take new jack swings at their faces and make the family hip-hopping mad. It culminated in the patriarch being found dead by poison. It was the Belle Biv DeVoe witch. Oh, shit. What about ABC BBD, the East Coast family? <laughs> I mean poison. <laughs> oh, man. And they were complaining because that witch was driving them out of their minds. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Them's puns. Them's puns. Oh, man. And Uh-oh. the only thing more haunting than those puns is listener mail. <laughs> My boots. 
Uh, I got one here ah, my boot. from uh, uh, our friend Marty. Marty writes, hello, Dave and David. Hello. Hello. I've been listening to your show for over a year now. You guys are hilarious. Every time I have someone in my car, uh, I force them to listen to y'all. Thank you. <laughs> we thank you even if they don't. That's true. I'm just about to finish your entire archive because as I travel between cities uh, during the summer to visit my boyfriend, it's a total of four hours, uh, additional hours of listening time. Man, I know I know that drive, Marty. Uh, when my fiance and I lived, actually, it's exactly four hours apart. Yeah, I know exactly that. Uh, uh, your pain there. Uh, I have a couple of puns for my favorite episodes. Uh, there's a giant stone artwork that some religious people dislike because of its vulgar shape and guidelines displayed in them. They're the Georgia O'Keeffe guide stones. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that a lot. Art jokes. Uh, there is a new type of divination that has come uh, that has come since the creation of memes. This divination is used to see when people have had it with another stupidity. It's face palmistry. <laughs> I also uh, very nice. Also had a great suggestion for an episode related to. Uh, I mean, listen, we still haven't found King Arthur, but maybe someone related there. Uh, again, love your show and your voices. I've never laughed so much as I did in the Robin Hood episode. Lol, gay dagger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Uh, Dave, quick shout out to Dead and Mordor, especially Whoa. for calling us nub turrets. <laughs> also for saying like either of us couldn't crack a mirror with your hideous crane-like ass for faces. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very positive uh yeah. message and it would embarrass me to read and I really appreciate it uh, well we both really appreciate it but uh, I, I like pointing out the uh, <laughs> the brotherly like we do ribbing uh, is there rib- a ribbing, ribbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so quick quick thanks to Dead and Mordor <laughs> and a uh, quick thanks to Dwayne who said he'd leave us five stars which is pretty sweet that's our favorite number of stars uh, even even though we probably owe him a new pair of underwear because of uh, Hoover the talking seal. <laughs> yes! Yes, Hoover! <laughs> Get some new boxers there. <laughs> thank you, Dwayne. Well, thank you all, everyone. And as always, uh, uh, just thanks in general for listening. It really does mean a lot to us here. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your five-star reviews on iTunes, for following us on Facebook as we march toward the second Fildo. We have crossed 1,000 followers on Twitter, so thank you so much for that. That's thank you. F-ing amazing. Welcome to the new listeners. Also, uh, don't forget to uh, get your free audiobook, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Check us out at patreon.com slash blurry photos. Uh, get on board of Patreon. We got a bunch of stuff there at whatever level you feel like supporting the podcast. Uh, we have got some fun stuff coming up. Don't forget to check out the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. They are some of the hardest working podcasts in the city of Broad Shoulders. I mean, they're, they're great podcasts, they're magnificent podcasts. And they are certainly deserving of your uh, listening time. So check them out. Flora, give me a great example. How about the One Shot podcast? The one we have both listened to. It's an actual play podcast that records improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds playing RPGs. Every month they bring a new game and cast of players in a self-contained adventure. It's the One Shot podcast. Sweet. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out the Dark Myths Collective. Another great group of podcasts who we love deeply and sometimes physically. Correct. So thank you, everybody. We appreciate you all. 
Hope you enjoyed, and uh, stay tuned for a nice commercial from a couple of nice guys. <laughs> yeah, they're family. They love uh, each other. They're, they're family, and I think, uh, you know, your vehicle could probably use their services. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> so for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been America's greatest host story, David Flora. And I've been Dave, keep your hands off my boots, Stecco. It's driving me out of my mind. That's why it's hard for me to buy. Hey, I'm Bobby Boyette. This is my brother Danny. Danny, just just read the card. Hi, I'm Danny Boyette. Hey, are you a cop? Are you a cop? Because if you... No, that's, that's me. Oh. You're, you're, you're killing me, Danny. Sorry, Bobby. Just, you, you read that part. You just oh. read it. Because you have to tell us if you are a cop. That's right. If you're a cop, you got to tell us. Everybody knows. Because here at Bob and Danny's Occult Automotive Customizations, you got to tell us if you're a cop. We make sure your sweet ride has all the bells and witches. <laughs> Good one, Danny. Hey, thanks, Bobby. That's right. Here at Bob and Danny's Occult Automotive Customizations, we want to make sure your ride is as terrifying as humanly possible. Check out this sweet 68 El Camino we tricked out with a horn that sounds like children giggling. I don't like that, Bobby. Shut up, Danny! Hey, Bobby, what about that 68 Impala that we set up with a pretty sweet sound system that plays nothing but creepy old hymns? Freaking terrifying, Danny. Yeah. Is your classic cruiser a late model grocery getter need an upgrade in the spooks department? We want to make your car scary. Nailed it again, Danny. Hey, thanks, Bobby. This week only, we'll trick out your muffler so your exhaust sounds like the hideous banshee wail of a soul collector. Hey, Bobby. Tell them about that transmission we can trick out to sound like an invisible creature hurling itself against the side of your house. Oh yeah! We can trick out your transmission so it sounds like an invisible creature hurling itself at the side of your house! Thanks, Danny. Hey, you're welcome, Bobby. So if you got horror movie dreams with a funhouse budget, come on down to Bobby and Danny's Occult Automotive Customizations, where if you're a cop, you gotta tell us. Remember, we put all the bells and witches on your car. Bob and Danny's Occult Automotive Customizations Where if you're a cop, you gotta tell us I'm hungry.